have for us today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Not only Christians, 
who grew up and has spent much of her life in the church, and, and talking with her a little bit, uh, there's a sense of kind of pain and hurt from that past, and um, she's been kind of looking in Eastern medicine and different kinds of practices to have this sense of touching the divine and experiencing the divine in a new and meaningful way, finding healing that touches the full holistic nature of the human self, because a lot of her experience in churches was this, this sense of the divine maybe touching one part of us, our mind, but not affecting our whole body, not affecting how we live in the world. So this, this yearning and this striving is, is something that's just natural for, for us as humans, this desire to be priests, to be with God. This human yearning to be with God is all over our readings today, as I insinuated earlier, but let's uh, focus now on Acts for a second, 14, 8 through 18. As you heard read, Paul and Barnabas are in this uh, city, this Greek city called Lystra, which is in modern-day Turkey, and um, they're going around sharing the gospel. Paul's preaching, and he encounters this, this man who's crippled, who cannot walk, who's sitting on the side of the road listening to Paul's sermon. And it, it, all it says is that seeing that he had faith, Paul made him well. We don't know what that means, seeing him have faith. Maybe it's just something he showed on his face, or uh, maybe they shouted out something, but Paul decides to Stand upright on your feet, he says, and the man sprang up and began walking. The crowd's response, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. They lived in a city where the temple was dedicated to Zeus, and they have this desire to be people who live with gods. The gods they know are these Greek gods, and so they, must, they assume that Barnabas must be Zeus and Paul's his messenger. And they begin bringing oxen to them and sacrificing. They want to get close to these gods and be with them in some kind of way. And, of course, Paul and Barnabas won't, won't have that. They tear their clothes and kind of rush into the midst of them and denounce this phrasing of just mere people. Why are you doing these things? We also are people of like nature with you, they say. And we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But even these words scarcely restrain the people of Greece, it says. There's such a hunger to be with God that uh, there's a distortion, a kind of a blindness to the fact that these are just men. And this is kind of the, this brings us to the, the main observation I want to make today, which is the ways that we hope to be with God, this kind of not always the way God chooses to be with us. The ways that we desire to be with our God are not always the ways that our God chooses to be with us. This isn't only true of paganism and Lystra. It's not only true of spiritual, not religious people who we you know, know in our lives and disagree with for whatever reason. It's most importantly true of us, and I think we always need to look inward first and not be quick to judge, but know that we are capable thinking that we know better uh, what being with God looks like than God himself knows. So let's turn to John's Gospel. This is where we will spend the rest of our time thinking about the ways we want to be with God and how they don't always line up with the ways God chooses to be with us. 
So a little context. Um, we, we are reading from John's Gospel, John 14. But before we get there, from the very beginning, being with God is central to John's Gospel. As, as many of you know, the first couple verses of John's Gospel, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And from there, Jesus comes and is with us. And this is this amazing act in human history of God being with humanity. Um, this, this with Godness is central to John's Gospel. And right away, the disciples begin yearning to, to chase after God, chase after Jesus, to be with him. In, in John 1, 35, we see the first two disciples. We don't know their names, but they're following after John the Baptist. And uh, these disciples are standing with John the Baptist, and there's kind of this very casual scene where uh, John the Baptist is standing there, a man walks by, it happens to be Jesus, and John says, Behold, the Lamb of God, and these two people just follow him. They never stop following, and it's their life. They, they so yearn to be with God that they they spend their life following after this Jesus person. This follow me refrain echoes throughout the gospel. We see all these people following after Jesus or choosing not to because it's too hard. But there clearly is a human yearning to be with this person, with God. By the time we get to John 14, Jesus' disciples have been with him for half the gospel, and uh, John's, John's gospel is typically, by, by many Bible scholars, divided into kind of two halves. You have the first half, 1 through 12, which is often called the book of signs, and then the second half, 13 to 21. The reason the first half is called the book of signs is because you have this pattern of Jesus performing some kind of sign or miracle, and then he, then he explains himself. Or sometimes it happens in reverse. He'll share something like, I'm the light of the world, and then he will heal someone's sight and give them light and show them in this very real way a glimpse of what it means for Jesus to be the light of the world, kind of a glimpse of the fullness of the kingdom of God coming in the end of time. And so you see these patterns, and then you get to the book of glory, the second half of John's gospel. And the reason it's called this by, by many people is because we've seen all these signs, but John, the writer John, has been pointing to a final sign, a great sign, a sign that we all know and think about and talk about all the time, which is the, the death and resurrection of Christ. And the, the huge portion of the second half of the gospel is Jesus kind of reflecting on and teasing out this great sign. And he does this through what's often referred to as the upper room discourse or the farewell discourse, which happens in chapter 13 through 17. So our reading today is 14 is smack dab in the middle, or kind of front, front middle of this uh, farewell discourse. Now, if, if you're someone, if you're a disciple who has spent so much of your life striving to be with God and with Jesus and learning from Jesus, to call this, um, this section of the gospel, the farewell discourse, probably has anxiety stirring up in you a little bit. Because um, the, the name captures the drama of the They, they yearn to be with Jesus. They've devoted so much to him. Why, why would they leave? This is the, the question uh, that brings us to this moment. And, um, and the disciples' responses at the beginning of the discourse is really 
The discourse typically begins, is understood to begin at the end of chapter, chapter 13. This is what you read the gospel reading last week. And this is right after Jesus washes the disciples' feet. He um, foretells that he will be betrayed by Judas Iscariot. And then Judas leaves. And then his first words, this is why they often call it the book of glory. He said, it says, when he had gone out, that is Judas, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. This is the great climax. We're coming to what everything has been pointing to, the glorification of Christ. God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, Yeah. 
and that, that is helpful for us. I, this, this is the moment for me um, where I come back to that, that phrase that I brought up earlier that I think is really um, helpful for us to reflect on, which is that the ways that we hope to be with God are not always the ways he chooses to be with us. And uh, at this great moment of, of kind of the climax of the gospel, he chooses to abandon his disciples. I, um, I've been thinking about this
God.